0: Hello and welcome to Dropping Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today is an interesting one off. Uh, we've been to see a sort of special event film that's touring the country. Um, there's only one copy of it, there's not even a digital copy. It's this one copy on 35mm film, and the more it gets shown, the more it degrades, and once it's gone, it's gone. It's called The Afterlight. Mm. and it's made by uh, this director who's a young fella. seems to be around my age, I thought.
1: He looked Um, young, whatever age he is, yeah.
0: Yeah, called uh, Charlie Shackleton, Mm. um, formerly known as Charlie Lyne, changed his name. Um, And weirdly, I'd heard of him because um, he did this film about six years ago called Paint Drying, and this kind of made the press. It was this sort of protest against censorship and the amount of money it costs to get a film classified in the UK. Mm. Um, So he filmed uh, Paint Drying on a wall, for about ten hours, and raised funds on Kickstarter, because the longer a film is, the more it costs to get the BBFC to classify it. You have to pay for it. Mm. And as a protest against this, he went right. I'm going to make and watch pain drying. They got to watch the whole thing, and then eventually they classified it as universal. So anyone, it's suitable for all ages. Paint drying. <laughs> anyway, that kind of that made the press. And I remember that, and um, I didn't realise, you know, I, I well, I didn't realise any, anything else about him, but he makes. Um, kind of documentaries and things based on sort of found footage and archival footage. Mm. Um, This has a similar rubric to The Clock, which was kind of, it's all about one thing. Remember The Clock, that 24-hour film, which was about telling the time, and all the shots had to have clocks in them. Mm. The idea of this is all the shots have only people who are deceased now in them. It's this kind of memory of all these people. There are lots of actors that you recognise. You know that there's uh, Humphrey Bogart, Barbara Windsor, Sid James, uh, Sachiko Hara,
1: Louise Brooks, Lord Lancaster, John yeah. Garfield.
0: Um, but it's not to say it's not full of stars. And in fact, in the Q and A after the film, he talked about not wanting to choose the most famous clips because now, that would that would distract from what the film was doing. That you you'd see this iconic clip.
1: Yes, but there's a difference between not choosing stars. And not choosing the most famous scene of famous films. Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: so, the film is chock-a-block with stars. It is. Um, um, but it's also chock block with lots of people that you've never heard of. Because, you know, actually most people in films are in the background and you don't know who they are. And, that's the, and a lot of effort has been put into finding out who these people are and making sure and yeah. that they're no longer alive, which is kind of the point of the thing.
1: I would say I recognise like 80% of them.
0: Sure. Um, yeah, but all the people in the background in the bar seats. No,
1: well, true. Uh, <laughs> and they were named. But actually, even if you when you read the list of credits at the end, there were quite few that I didn't recognise the name of. Yeah. And those were mainly like, uh, you know, Japanese or Indian or... Uh, yeah. Um, which is one of the things of the film I thought was really good at.
0: Yes, in fact, I don't want to go on about it, but one of the criticisms that we had of the clock was that of all the films it was choosing from to build this 24-hour piece, it was very much choosing from the canon and very much choosing from Anglo-American cinema.
1: Well, Anglo-American film culture, because it also had a few Japanese things and so on,
0: but the the obvious suspects, yeah. Yeah, like Ozu and a couple of French, you know, Truffaut. This is doing much more by way of trying to pick from a wide range of cinemas and cultures.
1: I was very surprised to see the amount of Mexican films. And actually... You know, I wanted to ask about that because, you know, there are clips from all of the greats of uh, uh, Mexican cinema. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Alfredo de Córdoba, Maria Felix, Dolores del Rio, they're all there, right? And, you know, kind of, that takes some viewing. I mean, they're not instantly accessible here, those films, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, they might be in the Criterion Channel or something like that now, I suppose. But I think even so, they're not, I mean... I did a whole uh, thing on Maria Felix, and the films were hard to find, you know. So so it takes some searching to find those films. And I thought I really liked the composition of the film in a way because it was so inclusive of unexpected, Mm. you know, uh, national cinemas or, you know, stars from other cinemas or things like
0: that. Yeah, and I should quickly say, actually, because I've mentioned a film that's 24 hours long and a film that's 10 hours long, this is neither of those, in case that gives you the wrong impression, this is a film that's 82 minutes long, Yes, Um, and like I say, uh, John Shackleton is touring the country with it, this, I think he said, was its 22nd screening, Mm. And you could start to see some degradation on it. Although he said, you know, mostly that stuff I would see and you wouldn't because it's still... I'm the only one who's watched it so many times. But there's a point in the film where there's a blackout. And the impression I got was that that would have been originally pure black Mm. with no scratches or anything. And there were a few, Mm. you know, and there was a little bit of... In the Q&A afterwards, um, he was talking about how he kind of thinks of it as like dancing and the the, the marks that other people's eyes have left on it, and that sort of thing. So the film is a film on its own terms, but it's also everything around the film and why it's been made and the Mm. fact that it's touring and the fact that it's going to be seen so many times.
1: Can I say something? Because Yeah, yeah. So, just to pick up at your introduction to make it clear for our listeners, this has a, a concept, really, and the concept is that it's on film only, film degrades, so you're watching something in the process of degradation and every viewing of it will be different. Moreover what you're watching are dead things. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. people who are already dead. So, and, you know, the, part of the romance of, fa- of, of cinema is, is that, it's death. Yeah, it's like you have, like, this imprint of light on celluloid that's brought to life by light, the light mm-hmm. of the projector. But that is of something that no longer exists, that once existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that this is just the light the shadow, the reflection, the you know, the the phantom, yeah. yeah. Um, so so the the of it is part of you know what cinema is, yeah. Mm. And the film makes that a kind of a conscious project. Yeah, that this is what the, the film's about—the afterlife. Yeah, <laughs> it's a wonderful title. Yeah, it's a really brilliant title. Um, and my my feeling on it was that what I loved was the concept and the idea. And, you know, Shackleton's witty, articulate, modest, inclusive way of talking about the film. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's very charming yeah. yeah, in a quiet way. But I must also say that I, I like that whole thing better than the film itself.
0: Yeah, I do kind of know what you mean. Uh, one of the questions that someone asked um, in the Q&A was, how did you know when it was finished? You know, So the film has a kind of very generalised narrative. You start off with shots of people walking, and they're from all different films. And you know, clearly, kind of, this is something that over all of his viewing and taking in all of this material, um, he's noticed a kind of commonality something that can be built out of this people walking. And now, and you start to build a question of where are they walking to, What, mm. you know, what's their feeding, what are they doing. Um, after a few minutes, they start to enter a bar. And, we, and the one uh, shot that is not archival that was actually taken for this film is a shot of a bar called The Afterlight, mm. which is been set up for the title, and it has this kind of noirish thing or this establishing shot of the bar and After that, people are in the bar and we see again lots of shots from lots of different films of people having drinks chatting whatever it might be, mm. you know engaging stuff in the bar and this kind of commonality again is is brought out of a lot of different um material and and as the the kind of the the essentially the night wears on in this very generalized narrative, we see different commonalities brought out from different things. This person was saying, how do you know it was, when it was finished in, in thinking about kind of, you could just keep adding material to this. You could, mm. you could make the film 24 hours if you wanted. There is definitely enough material in the history of cinema keep to Keep people that.
1: walking forever. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: you, you could do that just, you know. So, um, and I think that kind of, it goes to what you're saying about the, the, the idea is stronger than the film in that, why exactly this shot has been chosen, or why exactly we've had exactly you know, this much of this material before moving on to the bar, before moving on to people going home, mm. is um, that it doesn't seem really strongly motivated. I thought, you know, so because,
1: well, at least my mind is immediately geared towards making sense of what it is that you're seeing, mm. right? So you're looking for things, right? Like, so people are walking, where are they walking to? You know, cause first there's this person walking, that person walking, what is connecting them? Well, you know, you think a certain rhythm, they're walking in the same direction. Yeah, but what does that mean that they are following the same rhythm and walking in the same direction? Yeah, is it just about how it's making you feel? But if it's just about how it's making you feel, then they change direction. They go into the bar. Like, I just, I, yeah. yeah. So I couldn't quite, <laughs> quite make sense of it. Like, I didn't know, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's not that I was expecting a plot or a narrative necessarily, but even in terms of the rhythms... You know, the only thing that I was getting was that the rhythms changed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my my real pleasure was in seeing the stars. <laughs> yeah. You know, which I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have recognised it because they're not the type
0: of cinephile that I am. And also because the films generally have to be so old that there's less chance of you knowing them because mm. films have to be so old that people are dead. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but, you know, what he was saying is he wanted people to experience it anew, to see how people walked, you know, how people held the glass, what people's faces were like, how people responded. Mm. To me, I think that's cinema. That's kind of, you know, we don't need this particular film to bring that out. Mm. That has, you know, been the interest in cinema from the beginning. It's always been my particular interest, right? Mm. Kind of, you know, to see people being, (laughs) you know. And actually, the thing about cinema is that you're always watching people being... Without you being watched, so there's a freedom in looking. Yeah, you can really pay attention. You know, either in a sexual way, these lips, Tom Hardy's lips, Mm -hmm. drive me wild, (laughs) or just the someone's gait. Yes, Mm -hmm. you know. So actually, you you know, you're free to look. Right, they're not looking back at you. Right, and also if you're interested in human behavior and in observing and. Things that you can't do in real life, you know, because, like, you'd be kicked off the bus or whatever. Yeah, but that has always... You you don't need an experimental film to draw your attention to that. That is where your attention goes in films anyway.
0: Yeah, he talked about the idea of these things being a kind of preservation of moments of performance and bringing that out. But you're right, that is what cinema is. It is about preserving performance, and it's to a certain end. In the Q&A, he talked about... um, uh, a scene he used of Lon Chaney in The Wolfman. Mm. And um, it's how, he, in, in the original film, he's scratching all over and he's thinking, I'm turning into The Wolfman. But without that context, and particularly without the score, he talked about getting rid of the scores um, in the clips he used. Uh, he talks about the the, the performance becoming something slightly different. And it becomes about... I, I think for him, it it's it's about because he developed this kind of archivist's eye, and not Mm. just in this, but over, I think, all the work he's kind of done, Mm. he sees it both as, you know, Lon Chaney as the character of the Wolfman, but it's also like, oh, we're looking at Lon Chaney in 1920, whatever it was, um, you know, recorded. It's like, this is the moment that he was acting, if you see what Mm. I mean. And I can sympathise with why that would be interesting to him, but I don't think it's something that particularly comes across. And I think you're right in that, essentially... What he's trying to preserve and make interesting for us is what he's already interesting about cinema,
1: yeah, I mean, you know this thing about <clears throat> in the film long Cheney in any film, if you cut at a different place, the meaning of the thing changes, yeah, you know if you yeah, if you cut the shot, it changes if you put another shot before it, it changes. that's the nature of film editing yeah. right like you know again, it seems so so. So I don't I don't want to put it down because in some ways I enjoyed it also. Mm. But you see, I think the concept is kind of brilliant, yeah, or it's seductive anyway. But I think there's also an element which, of banality to me in the in the project, yeah, right, because it is dealing with the obvious elements of, of, of cinema, yeah, historically. And he was also saying archival footage. I'm saying, well, what does it mean? And actually. You know, what was revealed is he's just doing what all of these video essays are doing. He's using found footage, right? Because, you know, I think when he was pressed in the questions, he wasn't going to some archive and digging up, you know, celluloid canisters or whatever. No. You know, he actually made a point of saying these are materials that are easily available. Commercially available. That are commercially available. Yeah. Right? So really, kind of, you know, I thought there was something also ponce about kind of the term of archival film yeah yeah the kind I, of well, I
0: think the 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 work has to then be more transformative than it is in order to be yeah, you know, valuable do you know what i mean well
1: or that the footage is more original or hard to find or rediscovered or you know kind of archive to I me mean, has you know those connotations i mean you know, mm. uh, I think that
0: might be a word that we're kind of putting on it, though I'm not sure it's a word that he used, and as you say... Well, he, no, did, he, he,
1: he talked about the archival film. It's an archival film. Did he? Yeah. Okay. You know, because uh, that was going to be my question to him that I never got around to asking, oh, right. what do you mean by archival film? Right, right. okay. Um, so, you know, I kind of... Anyway, I think what I, what I loved about the, the film, or about the experience of watching the film... Mm. Was to see it on celluloid, <laughs> you know, to see it in that context. I thought the images were very vivid. There is something about, you know, being projected. Yeah, to me it had a different quality. And he said one of the things he wanted to draw attention to was the difference in the quality of the prints. Mm-hmm. Yes, which you saw. Yeah, some were very degraded prints, some were very pristine prints. But actually, the overall effect seemed kind of magical to me, yeah. Mm. And, and I'm attributing that to the celluloid and the projection. It, of course, it also has to do with the rhythms that he creates. Yeah, and the, you know, the the his choices, right? Because they're very subaltern choices. Yeah, you know, he could have made, for example, choices of dancing or something instead of choices of people drinking, right? Mm. You know, in dives, right? And yeah. So so I like the I like the feel and the ambiance and the rhythm but there was also something kind of you know magic about the projection yeah that I, I liked though I must say I not I looked at my watch yeah like <laughs> I mean I
0: have to say and this is and I really don't mean this is a criticism of the film but I did nod off once or twice and I honestly mean that's because it was such a peaceful place to be LAUGHTER <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, and I thought, oh god, people probably hear him snoring or something. And I was waking up as often as I sort of could because I was never, I was never so gone that I was just, you know, unconscious. But I was, I was aware that at points there was just, I don't know, so little happening or it was so quiet that, um, that I was, I was dropping off. That's how it goes. Um, it was I, wasn't,
1: I wasn't, aware of you drop, dropping off. Well, that's say. good. That's so, good. Well, that must mean I was more absorbed in the in yeah. the film. I like... was
0: very quiet about it. Yeah. but in fact. Think, thinking about the reason that I was kind of dropping off um, I think it has to do with the silence and the silence came up in the Q&A which yes. I thought was really interesting This, idea, so he drops out the soundtracks um, of everything uh, the, the scores that is um, and in order to do that what he does is he picks up sound from elsewhere in those films and moves it on to mm. that clip so the idea is to preserve although he, it is a, it isn't a, um, an act of editing the idea is to preserve what silence sounds like in this particular film, and you never think about that until you start to see lots and lots of clips concatenated, in which silence is different between all of them. Yeah,
1: that was a, that's a brilliant point. The, yeah. yeah, the 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 different uh, silences that silence is that silence has film, a sound in yeah. film, and that each film has its own sound of silence. Yeah.
0: Um. was a really wonderful, a beautiful idea and, and also answered one of my questions that I, well, I, he answered it before I asked it because one of the questions I had, although I did ask this in a way, was about the audio and it's something that we brought up, in fact, when we saw The Clock as well, which was that um, the image is dealt with with hard cuts, a hard cut from one thing to another to another between films, um, but the audio is used... Differently, it's used as a way to link them sometimes or smooth between them. So the thing in in the clock was there was a lot of fading and mixing and there w- a lot of work had been done on the soundtrack mm. um, that was kind of editorial. Mm. Um, and that is something that's happening here in a, in a slightly different way. So I, I, I did ask you in the Q&A about a couple of points where he uses... Music that goes over several clips and mm. joins them together, so there's a point where they'll put on a gramophone and they're listening to something or a point where someone I think maybe a band strikes up in the in a bar or something, and again music then plays over several clips and links them together mm. and I said you know because that's 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 you're talking about wanting to um kind of preserve these films as they stand today and use them as they stand today, but that's an editorial decision to mm. then um, play music over them and he says yeah well it comes from here and, and it, I mean essentially it was an answer which I thought was quite reasonable and I expected, which was to say it worked better for the film this way it gives things a little bit of cogency and a little bit of shape sure. and in fact I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to keep going on about the comparison with the clock but it is something that I thought about in the clock and I remember when we spoke about how what I felt was quote-unquote filmmaking in the clock i.e. when it built something that was Greater than some of its parts, which so there was a point in the clock, which leads up to twelve o'clock midday, mm. where um, music from Run Lola Run is used, and it's kind of pounding techno and it's quite intense, and um, lots of clips from lots of different films are used that are kind of people waiting for midday, waiting mm. for the for the time to run down, and it's like the film is chasing down midday. Mm. I mean, I remember feeling that was really good, right? Mm. Really smart bit of creative filmmaking that had built more out of the material than was sort of there to begin with. There are points in this where it does that, and particularly the point where um, close-ups of faces are used. Do you remember sort of maybe two thirds of the way through the film? And I think there's music over the top of it as well and um, lots and lots of close-ups of faces are used from, again, many, many different films, and it becomes completely not about what the people are doing at that point. It's not about them walking to a bar. It's not about them having dinner at home. It's just about what these people, who are dead today, look like, preserved, at at the time they were filmed, and it's very, very intense, and I thought, yeah, this kind of, it strips away everything else that the film is doing. It makes it completely about the people that we're seeing, and they're reflected. They're ghosts now.
1: Well... I suppose that's true, but I don't see it as a positive thing. Yeah. Um, You know, because I think one of the reasons why I think um, the clock is, you know, such a great work, whereas I don't think this one is, is because, you know, in the clock, the the clock was funny and it was suspenseful and it was intense and, Mm. you know, it created all of these things with these, with these clips and the central concept. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 The film itself is a clock. Right. Whereas, you know, I thought this film didn't do... My, like, I you know, I didn't find any suspense. I didn't laugh. I wasn't scared. I didn't that, you know. And, you know, it's true that you're left with faces. But faces is what you're showing. So I think that should be the minimum yeah. thing. Well, no, I just <laughs> right? like at that point, uh, it, uh, kind uh, of,
0: uh, it seemed to have... It, well, I, I suppose that's in a slightly roundabout and backhanded way. That is kind of what I'm saying. But I felt that that was the point at which it was building something that was more interesting than the sum of its parts, which was that the intense focus on faces at this one point in the film, um, and the you know rapid cutting, and, and the, all the shots of the faces were, were slowly getting closer to the face. The face was becoming a bigger component of the frame. Mm. So again, that was kind of intensifying. Um, that was, I think, the one point in the film that I felt that something really creative and intentioned was being done, mm. beyond just kind of collecting shots of people walking, you know, mm. where, as, as you said, like, why is this film 82 minutes? Why It could be 50, it could be 200, just based on how many clips you're deciding to put in. It doesn't seem intentioned enough that it has to be this length and do this with what it's using.
1: I think the film is very clever, but I, again, you know, to me this is like a backhanded compliment in the sense that, you know... It's merely clever, yeah that the concept is everything, yeah, kind of you mm. know, and he's very good at talking through that concept, uh you know and and you listen to him talk, and you're charmed and it's articulate, and so on, but actually, I'm always like extremely disappointed when you encounter a work of art, and all that you're left with is a concept, mm yeah, yeah, um, so you know, it's like one of those painters that puts a Baudrillard quote in front of the painting. You know, and really the significance is that the quote explains the painting or yeah, gets you to (laughs) look at the painting in a particular way or whatever, rather than the painting itself kind of doing the job, so to speak. Um, and And I did think... So whilst I didn't dislike anything and I wasn't displeased by anything and it was a pleasant experience and actually... You know, the whole celluloid mood and so on I thought was kind of wonderful. I also think that there wasn't enough in the film. That, you know, kind of a better (laughs) artist or, you know, someone kind of with greater ease and knowledge of, you know, the effects that film can produce Yeah, would have done something richer with the same material.
0: Yes, um, it's a film that is... A huge amount about the experience of being there. You have to be there, and mm. it's live, and there is this only this one copy, um, which I think is important. I mean, actually, it was a very, very full screening at mm. the Electric Cinema. So it's one night screening because the film then goes on tour to other places. I think I mentioned it to my brother, and I think he's going to go and see it when it comes to London in mm. a few weeks' time. Um, don't quote me on that because I haven't looked at the dates, but that's sort of what he told mm. me. Um, but you know, have a look at the website if it's coming around. You know, I, I would suggest going to see it because it. It's it's a cinema experience. Would, They're I, I, very I, much with a group of people, all sharing this, and in particular this one-off experience. It's not something that's going to show up on Netflix later on.
1: Don't get me wrong; I also recommend that <clears throat> yeah. people see it. Yeah,
0: but I think like, that, but it's not just that it's a recommendation for people to see it, but that is an important component of it.
1: Yeah, you have, to, yeah, you yeah. have to see it. But I also think that's kind of precious, and I'm not sure I believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure that if you've spent two years of your life. You don't have a digital backup. You don't have a print in your computer. You know that you're just making this one celluloid print, and that that's it. That there's not going to be anything. You know, <laughs> you don't believe. I it? don't
0: believe it. I think if he has a digital backup <laughs> of it, it's not saying anyone will ever see. He just yeah. got it for himself, probably. But you know, but I think I can believe it. Okay. Well, you're but a more make, generous-hearted but, man than I am. But,
1: and he's also got this romantic thing of surplus films. Yeah, that you know, the head of the music. Art Museum in Vienna talked about surplus films. Yeah, that 90% of the films in the archive are films that will never be seen again. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, that only about 10% of the films are brought into circulation in some form, and that, you know, he thinks his own film is headed to be, well, you know, one of those 90% that, you know, will probably never be seen. And I'm sure that's true, you know, but I also can't imagine anyone spending two years of their life doing something. And not having a copy, I mean, (coughs) even for personal reference, I don't believe it. (laughs)
0: The the reason ultimately that I do believe him is because he came across as extremely earnest and believes what means what he says.
1: Well, he came across as like very clever, very intelligent, kind of modest, listening to people, also incredibly clever and a bit forward. You know, it took him a nanosecond to start selling his t-shirts. Right, so I don't believe. Well,
0: he saw them right at the end before he went.
1: No, 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 but he stopped the conversation, like, let me get those t shirts out and here is my. No, because she code. was
0: about to say goodbye. She was, she was winding up and he said, oh, quickly, just before we go. Well, no problem with that's that. That's not
1: the point. You know, but I think someone, yeah, who kind of starts talking to t shirts like, like that is not going to be the kind of person who doesn't keep a copy of his film.
0: I have no problem with that and I think that's ridiculous. Of course he wants to sell his t shirts. <laughs> Of course, well, he wants to sell his bloody t-shirts. Come with a bit of I, I don't
1: have a problem with him selling his t-shirts. I, I really, actually, had I been a bit more patient, I would have bought one. I like the t-shirts. Yeah, it was a good t-shirt. You know, and I don't have a problem with you know people making a living. You know, I'm just saying, you know, that it takes a certain kind of personality to kind of you know do that and do that so easily and so quickly. And you know, here's my sort code, and you know, I prefer cash. I mean, there was a real ease with commerce. And I just don't believe that that type of person would not keep a copy of something they worked two years on.
0: Okay. You know,
1: for this romantic notion that it'll all dissolve because there's one print. I mean, I think he'll say that, and there probably is only one celluloid print, but I don't believe he doesn't have something on his computer.
0: (laughs) Okay. I believe him, you know. And it costs nothing to believe him, quite frankly, so... Yes,
1: (laughs) except... The revelation of your innocence. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't think it's going to be a Boris Johnson level
0: scandal. If no, can't. of course not.
1: You know, uh, and again, I don't uh, want to give the impression that I'm, I'm judging this at all negatively. I'm just kind of because I'm not. Um, you know, but I just think that, you, well, a kind of person who's so at ease with the sale of his t-shirts would also not be stupid enough to not keep a copy of his own... of two years of work.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the the, the ghost... I don't want really to get into too big of an argument about this, because I don't really care. It's all care. speculative, we, we don't know. Well, it's all know. speculative, and I don't really care, but the point is that it degrades and goes away, and eventually won't be there, that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, so, that's the whole
1: point of the cellu- the one celluloid print.
0: No, but it's not just that, he, you know, it's, it's the point of it being the only version of this well, ever. I know,
1: but I'm just saying, I don't believe that, I yeah. kind of, I can't...
0: But I'm saying, I don't know why, I, well, yeah, I... I just don't know it, why it's so difficult for you to believe that you could possibly...
1: Well, because I can't believe an artist spending two years of their life, you know, with the possibility of keeping a reference to it, is chewing it.
0: I don't know, artists have, artists like, have made stuff that, that goes away forever.
1: Well, that goes away against their will, that is never received, or that it gets lost, or it gets burned. But you, you know, you often... No, I mean, I the greatest don't... tragedy that befalls artists is when they lose their manuscript... You, yeah. know. you know <laughs> whatever
0: William de Kooning let Robert Rauschenberg destroy one of his pictures for art you know um, was it the KLF burnt a million pounds of their own money
1: I bet you that William de Kooning took pictures of that before I've absolutely yeah, okay
0: you can bet me all you want but
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, maybe that has to do with my own cynicism and
0: stuff. Well, it, it, it definitely, it is cynicism. But and, you, and you're very perfectly, you know, entitled to say that I'm being too romantic about it. I just believe it. I find it quite, quite comfortable and easy to believe that the guy means what he says. Okay. Yeah, you know? I don't. <laughs> 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 Yin and Yang.
1: <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> so, but uh, let's not end on this note because, um, you know, I did think the film conceptually, has a wonderful central idea. As an experience, I enjoyed it. I found it romantic. Mm. I loved the mood that the whole thing set up. And really, he is an incredibly articulate and intelligent, uh, and there's a kind of modesty and humor in the way that he interacts, you know, that is very pleasing. He's the best advertisement for his work. Yeah. You know, and all of that was a great uh, pleasure. I'm really glad I took part in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I was there. I'm glad to have seen it on this, you know, one of its however many screens it's going to have, but it's the only copy, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you've got a bridge to sell. (laughs) you You have to be there, and I'm glad I
1: was. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we
0: are on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thanks very much. Bye 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 bye. Also, thank you to the Electric for putting it on, which is where the event was held. It was a very, very full crowd, you know, it was a proper event.
1: And more importantly, thanks to the Electric for continuing to maintain the equipment. That makes such a screening possible. You can't screen 35mm film without a 35mm projector. Yeah, and uh, you know, kind of the electric has to be one of the few places in the Midlands that continues to run one. Mm. So, greatly appreciated.
0: Mm.